Our first scripture reading this morning comes out of Romans 8, 31. You've heard it probably many times. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This is the word of God. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning is going to come out of the 118th Psalm, Psalm 118. Going to be in this same Psalm for the next couple of weeks. And so it's a great Psalm to read and and understand as best you can. Let, Let me read. I'm going to begin with the first verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who hear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. As I look in triumph on those who hate me, 
It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put trust in princes. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And it's our prayer, Lord, in this moment that your Holy Spirit would move among us. That you would convict us and convince us as your word promises. And most especially, Lord, that you would change us, transform us a little bit more. One degree more after another into the image in which we were created. Into your image, O oh God. Minister that grace to us as we set it around your feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, virtually everyone I know is going into, coming out of, or right in the middle of, one kind of challenge or another. You know, we've all had all kinds of sicknesses. We have all kinds of troubles in our homes. We have troubles in relationships with one another. We're always in one of those places, coming or going or right in the middle. The challenges, the challenges of life, that tells us, cannot be avoided. We can try. We can try to dodge everything and all the problems and things, and that's probably not a bad idea. Try to avoid as much as possible. Trouble will, trouble will look for you. But the reality is trouble will always find you as well. Challenges will be there, and we have to learn how to deal with them. And how we deal with them makes all the difference in life. It makes all the difference in, in, in whether we have hope and peace or whether we have fear and, and anxiety. And to know the hope and peace, to know that hope and peace, as opposed to the fear and anxiety, you have to be centered in the presence of God. Centered in His will. You know, I used the word focused last week. It's the same kind of thought. I want us to look over these next few weeks at some declarations in Psalm 118 that give us insight on, on what it means to live a God-centered life. Even if you're in the middle of a mess. Maybe I should say, especially when you're in the middle of a mess. And we can speculate later, and we will some, about this Psalm 118 on why this psalm is precisely in the middle of your Bible. We're going to talk about being centered on God. We're using the very center of His book. We'll talk about a little more of that a little later. But I want you to understand, it's not an accident. We don't have those kind of things with God. There's no accidents at all. And the truth is that I want you to look today at one, one of the, the truths that the gospel of Jesus Christ irrefutably proves, and that is that God is for you. God is for us. We are His people. We are His people. He, he wants us to to succeed. He wants us to survive. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be everything He created us to be. The, uh, verse 6 says, 
the Lord is on your side in the ESV version. In the NIV version, it says, God is with you. God is with you. And, and that's what this is all about. That's what this, this message this morning is all about. God is for us. God is for us. He, he wants us to be His children, and He wants us to succeed, and He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have that, that hope and that, and that peace. Any way you see it, any way you say it, when you begin to understand that simple yet powerful truth, the world will change. Your world will change. Too often, too often we think that God is anything but for us. We think He's mad, or we think He's annoyed, or we think He's disappointed, or He's put out, or maybe worse, He's out to get us, or at the very least, He's not paying any attention to the situation we're in. That's not the message that the Bible teaches. That's certainly not the gospel. Over and over and over again, the Bible declares that God is for us, that God is for you. He may not be for all your ideas. He may not be for all the things that you do. You know, we do some goofy things here and there. But He is overall for us. He still wants us to succeed. He still wants to be blessed. He still loves us and cares about us. This means that you can count on God for everything in your life. We talk about trusting Him, following Him, Committing ourselves to Him. It's not just, those aren't just words. It's a way of life if you want to live in His presence, if you want to live in His peace, if you want to know His abundance and His joy. That's the only way. It's the only way. You can count on God for everything. Everything. The big things, the little things, all the things. You're not on your own. We've never been on our own. He will take care of us. We got to believe that. We got to get that inside of our psyche. And we got to rely on it and live like it. You don't know what's going to happen today. You don't know what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes. We don't know what the future holds. We always think about the future as being way out there, but we don't know what the immediate future holds either. We just don't know. God knows. God knows. And what we do know is that while we don't know, we don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen out there in the future. We don't have to be afraid of what's going to be in front of us because God is for us. God is for us. And He's going to take care of us. Paul said it in, in, in uh, Philippians 4, My God will, will meet all your needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Glorious riches. That's what God's going to do. He's going to take care of us. So what does Psalm 18 say about how God is for us? Well, first and emphatically, it says we can count on God in times of trouble. We, we don't pay much attention to God in, times, in good times. We just sort of cruise along. He's there. We agree He's there. That's fine. That's great. That's good. But we're having a great time. We do look for God in times of trouble. And what this psalm tells us more than maybe anything else is that we can count on Him in times of trouble. In verse 5 David says, from my distress, I call upon the Lord. From my distress, times of trouble, I call upon the, the Lord. David could have done a number of things, you know. He, he could have tried a little harder. 
Sometimes you just knuckle down and try to plow on through. He could have sought the help of others. He could have quit. We've done all those, haven't we? But when you're centered on God, when you're focused on His truth that He loves us and cares for us and that He is for us, when things go wrong, we call upon the Lord. We call upon the Lord. You know, and I know I'm, I'm bad about that. I've got to remind myself of that all the time. Because I tend to want to do things on my own. I want to tend to get, get right on through it and get right on with it. And then there's often a mess at the other end. And then you call upon the Lord, right? Lord, clean up my mess. <laughs> Help me out of this jam. These things aren't doing like they're supposed to do. Would you come and, and save me from this stuff? And what David's telling us is, from my distress, I called upon the Lord. He took right off. When he was distressed, when he was in, in trouble, he called on God. When he saw a problem or he had a need, he called upon the Lord. First thing he did. First thing he did. Surprisingly, we don't do that. You know, I've heard... People even say, well, I don't want to bother God. I don't want to bother God. It's kind of a trivial thing, and I just don't want to, you know, God can't be bothered. As if God could be bothered at all anyhow. You know, I don't want to bother Him with my problems, my pettiness. I'll just make it happen. You ever said that? You ever felt that? Greatly overestimating the power of your problem, and you're greatly underestimating the power of God when you do that. Look how David finishes this verse 5. You know, he said, From my distress I called upon the Lord. The rest of it says, The Lord answered. The Lord answered and set me in a large place. Interesting. I love the phrase, a large place. Well, what does it mean? It means a place of abundance. It means a place of blessing. A place of prosperity place of opportunity when you're in the middle of a mess the world can seem very small you can feel pretty helpless feels like your problems crashing in and overwhelming you feels like everything is is, is going wrong like your days are numbered prospects are limited but here's david 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 says god wants us to have a large place a larger place a place of possibility a place where where we can actually grow and and prosper in the middle of the troubles call upon him ask him for help him for help and then look for his help to come it's on the way it's on the way when we find ourselves in challenging situations as we often do the natural reaction is a typical one it's to kind of back up and, and be afraid be a little fearful be a little cautious to be afraid of how you know, we're going to survive this situation or be afraid of what our friends might think because we're in this situation. Be afraid of what might happen next. That's a natural response, but it's not God's response. When you have confidence in God's goodness, when you know that God is for you, you don't have to be afraid. David said it this way in verse 6. He said, for the Lord is for, the Lord is for me, the Lord is for me, I will not fear. I will not be afraid. I will not be worried. What can man do to me? That's, that's what we're afraid of, right? 
What will others think? We talk about peer pressure. There it is. There it is. What can man do to you? What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, you, you know, you can be criticized. You can be laughed at and ridiculed. You can be fired. You can go broke. Or the absolute worst, I guess, you could lose your life. That's pretty much how we scale it out in our day. You know, we live with this trauma in our day very, very bold and big. We talk about the social pressures that are on us. The social uh, media, if you would, of all sorts and versions now, that come crashing in on us and people criticize us and people talk about us and people challenge us. And, and young people in particular, we seem to be listening to that stuff as if it really matters. We have teen suicide rates at all times high. It's just kind of craziness. And that's all because we're listening to man. We're listening to what man can do. And we're becoming afraid of what man can do. And we're not realizing and trusting and relying that God is for us. That God loves us. And that God has a, a different plan. What can man do to us? What really can he do? What's the worst? Think about it. Think about it. We need to think that even the worst thing that could happen, the very worst thing that could happen, it's not enough to separate us from God. Heck, the third, the worst comes, we go to heaven, right? That's a pretty good place. That's a pretty good thing. Paul said it well in Romans 31, read it for our first reading this morning. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? Same thing David said. What can man do to me? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Paul's listing out all the variables there. No, in all these things, he says, we are more, 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 more than conquerors through Him who loved us. No matter what kind of situation you are going through, no matter what kind of situation that I might be going through, no matter what our church might be going through, whatever the situation or whatever situation comes in the future, nothing can change the fact, nothing, that God loves us, that God loves us, and that God is for us, and that God will get us through, will get us through. To take that point just a little further, here's another way that God is for us that, that David outlines. He says, you can count on God when you cannot count on anyone else. Think about that. There's a distinction between two verses in this psalm that I, I want to bring to your attention. David says in verse 7, the Lord is for me. I'm reading out the ESV. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Two biggest lies that I've ever allowed myself to believe are answered in this same verse. There have been times when I've been tempted to say that God isn't for me. That I kind of wondered where God was. Thinking that He's not going to help me. You dug this hole, you get out of it yourself, kind of, kind of thinking. And there's been times when I've been tempted to say, you know, there's nobody else going to get me out of this hole either. 
Nobody else is on my side. Both those statements are untrue. Both those statements are untrue. God is for me. God is for you. And there are people in our life who are for us too. That's what he means. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Or alongside of those who help me. We're not alone. We're not alone. Sometimes we might think that, but we're not. We're not. Now, you may not have the support of everyone, probably won't have the support of everyone. Everyone isn't on the same page, you know. You may not have the support of the person you want the, the most to be supporting you. We've all been there, I'm sure. But you do have some people in your life. You do have some people around you who are on your side, who care about you, who care about what's happening. You may work with them. You may live with them, hopefully. But they're going to be there for you. And they're going to do what they can do to give you strength that you need to get through any situation you might be facing. We do have friends. We do have friends. We, can't count on, we can count on God when we can't count on anyone else. But there are others there as well. There's a distinction I don't want to make that, that, that I want to make as, as well. The people in your life are just people. They're just like us, just like you and me. They're fallible. They're limited, just like we are. So we shouldn't expect them to be God. We shouldn't expect them necessarily to, to be representatives of God and look like God and act like God. No, they're going to let us down. They're going to say, they have problems. They're going to let us down the way we let others down at times. They're going to fail sometimes to be that fountain of strength that we expect them to be. That's why David says in verse 8, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. In other words, God recognizes, or David recognizes that God is our source of care, that God is our source of strength, that God is the answer to the needs that we have to get ourselves out of difficult situations. He's also saying that we have others around us that can give us support, especially brothers and sisters in the Lord that are on the same page, that are loving the same God, that are listening to His Word and following His will. Those are the ones you want around you. Not the world. Not the world. David says it's better to take refuge, though, in the Lord because everything else can fail us. Because as godly as we might be, we're still, we still have feet and hands of clay. We're still going to drop the ball every once in a while. Simple truth is that there's going to be times when a friend or person that we're depending on, they just will not or cannot come through. We just need to understand that because they leave you hanging doesn't mean that God's going to leave you hanging. Because the friend is fallible and makes a mistake and you get hurt doesn't mean that God is, is doing that to you or making it happen or that God is not still for you. You can count on God when you cannot count on anyone else. We tend to look at others around us as sources. Sources. My boss is a, is a source of money, maybe. 
so I can live and so I can, you know, buy groceries and do things like that. Maybe your, your spouse is your source for happiness, security, whatever, love. My friends are, are my source of, of entertainment and joy. And, you know, we do things together. My church is my source for spiritual needs. You just think about it. Or my church is the source for comfort and peace. You think about the same things. What is science for? What is knowledge for? You know, all of these things have limitations. They all have limitations. There will be times when they're going to fail to measure up to what you need. They're not your source. They're not your source. God is our source. God is our source. That's what, that's what David's saying. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Man will fail us. Not maybe intentionally. Even the best. But they will fail us. God will not. God will not. The next verse, verse 9 in that passage says, it's, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And when David's talking about princes, when the Psalms talk about princes, they're talking about powers over us in that sense, those who are our authorities. We can't put our hope in the prince. We can't put our hope in the president or the Congress or any of those. Our hope is not in government. And if your hope is in government, then we need to have a chat. David said, some trust in chariots and some in horses. That's, that's the war machine, right? Some trust that power, physical power, will make things right. Some trust that all we need to have in this world is bigger militaries and more police. That's going to make it right. That's going to bring peace. I'm not sitting here saying, let's get rid of the, the police and get rid of the militaries. We do live in a fallen world. But I am saying, if you want peace in this world, it's not going to come at the sword. It's going to come at the cross. You'll hear me say that over and over again. Our world needs Jesus. You might want to hear me say over and over again that we are the ones that are supposed to be, in God's plan, taking Jesus to our world. And how are we doing? How are we doing? Don't put your trust in the chariots and the horses. But as David says, trust in the name of the Lord your God. You can count on God when you can't count on anyone else. And that includes your wife, and that includes Uncle Sam, that includes your best friend. If you want a God-centered life, if you want a God-centered life, right in the middle of all those challenges, you need to call upon the Lord. That's what David said first off. And then you need to put your trust in Him, in Him alone. You need to quit looking to others to meet our needs. We quit looking to figure it out in our own brain how to solve our problems. Put your ultimate faith in Christ and Christ alone. One more aspect that I want us to see in this first part of this psalm. If God is for you, if God is for you, you can count on God to correct you. 
There's a great verse in the book of Proverbs 19. Man's own folly runs his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. I've seen more people than I could count, and you probably have too, who've made a mess of their life through alcohol, and promiscuity, dishonesty, selfishness, greed. And then when everything falls apart, as it, it almost inevitably will, they, they kind of shake their fist at God and say, how could He let this happen to me? We, we hear it all the time in, in, in general conversation. How could a loving God, right? Loving God do this or let this happen or blah, blah, blah. We hear it all the time. Whatever challenges you're going through, at some point you're going to have to own up to your role in those challenges. It may not be completely your fault, but you have a role. You have a role not maybe in causing the, the, the situation, but you have a role in how you respond to that situation. And usually I've found that most things that I get involved in, I've had a role in. Even when I get sick, often I haven't been taking care of myself well. And I knew better. I knew better. But sometimes things seem to blindside you and get you all together, and you, don't, you, know, you didn't have anything to do with it, at least best you can tell. But most often, we have a role. We have a role. And you've got to own up to the role. You've got to own up to the responsibility for the situations you're in. Or maybe the friends you hang around with, and they get, they get in trouble, and then you get in trouble. Or for the influences that you allow into your mind. What about those TV shows that we watch sometimes? Or movies we go to, which we know, well, they got this little section. I wish they'd just leave that out. But we were there, and we watched, and we paid for it. You know, it's crazy what we allow in. We have a role in our own situations. Here's what I want you to understand, though. That you and I, we are children of God. His special possession, as the Bible says. We belong to Him. And because He loves us, He will take care of us. And He will correct us. That's part of taking care. Hebrews says, what father who loves his son doesn't discipline his son. God will correct us. He will discipline us. He will get us back on the right track. David said in verse 18, The Lord has disciplined me severely, but He has not given me over to death. A friend told me once that verses like this make God sound like a bully. God's going to punish you, and He's always on top, and He's always beating on us. I don't think so. I think, I think verses like this make God sound like a father. Make sound like a person who loves his child who wants to see his children safe, and who wants his children to be with him forever. That's what I think it sounds like. And we need to realize that there's a difference between correction and punishment. God just isn't out there banging on things and, and playing with our lives and manipulating us. That's, that's the old Greek version of what God is. God is not a God that we have to, to, to all, always be in trembling before and in, in, in afraid that we make one little mistake and, and it's all over. That's not the God of, the, of Scripture. 
It's not the God of Scripture at all. Our God, for some crazy reason, loves us. In spite of what we are and who we are and how we behave, He still loves us. That is such good news. And that separates Christianity from everything else. Our God comes into your life